welcome to Cassandra Explains It All, a podcast where we take a magnifying glass to all of our treasures from the past. Okay, perfect. So tonight we have a special treat. Finally, we're back to some more Are You Afraid of the Dark? And we are doing The Tale of the Dream Girl, season three, episode 10. Um, I'm not sure what it's listed as on Amazon. It's probably a different season and episode, but um, the canon is season three, episode 10. And um, welcome back, Brett. Thanks for having me, Cassandra. Appreciate it. No, thank hope you. All, hope all the fans out there and Cassandra explains it all land are appreciating the Are You Fear the Dark uh, episodes that we're doing together. Yeah. And this is a big one. Um, this is a fan favorite. I know that. One of my favorites too, actually. Yeah. What did you rate this as on in your book? <laughs> or is that too <laughs> soon to ask, actually? Uh, let me let me tell you at the end of our, our review okay. of this, because I think that will make it more interesting after we go through the episode together. Cool. Yeah, there's a lot. There's really a lot to unpack with this episode. I considered doing it like a versus with another one, but I'm like, that's not doing this one enough justice, honestly. It it really does need to stand on its own because as we're going to dive deeper into, um, there's a lot of really well-woven story elements that lead you to like the payoff at the end. And, you know, especially if you've never seen the episode before or seen it for the first time back in 1994, um, you realize as a young child, when you see it, that it's just kind of a, a mind blowing, profound moment to take it all in. And I feel like compared to all the other, are you for the dark episodes? This feels like the most mature of them. Like, you know, you, you still have like teenager kids and all that are in the story. It's not like for adults, but the way that it handles the story matter really makes you feel like it, it's, it's hard to describe. It's just like, wow. I feel like I'm watching something that taught me a a lesson or. It is. Yeah. It more feels like an episode of boy meets world in that way. Like, yeah, um, I guess that's a good way of putting it. Cause um, you know, if you watch a more monster oriented tale, like dead man's float, for example, you're just like, yeah, that was awesome. Look at that bloody skeleton go. Or, you know, I, I like to think it's blood who knows what causes the redness, but um, you know, for this one, it just feels like a very mature, well-written cinematic story compared to like a monster of the week yeah that's true i never really thought about that before that it does seem like more mature than other episodes yeah and because it deals with love too we've got gary frank kiki and tucker and it's sam's story Mm -hmm. don't forget betty ann oh yeah (laughs) i'll play the intro to the story unless you have anything to say about the midnight society here um no it's a pretty short sequence i do enjoy tucker arm wrestling kiki because that's not really an interaction we see too often normally tucker's like interacting with frank as frank's like trying to be gary's bodyguard and keep um tucker under control and not being too annoying but it's kind of nice just to see this this interaction play out here to kind of take Tucker down a peg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God, Gary always seems like he's in the worst mood. Doesn't seem too bad here. Speaking of scared, you're up tonight, Sam. You ready? Sure. I've got a story about something incredibly horrifying. But it's not monsters or demons or any of the usual scary stuff. It's about something that can strike any one of us at any time. And it's always when we least expect it. What is it? True love. (laughs) Kidding. Come on, who says love isn't scary? 
It can really hurt sometimes. But love is what people live for. And in my story, it's sort of what they die for. Submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society, I call this story... The Tale of the Dream Girl. Okay, but love is not what they died for, just to be clear. Yeah, no, it was <laughs> out, outside circumstances that were unfortunate. It was really more about the relationship and kind of bringing that back together. We'll, yeah. we'll discuss it more in detail, but it's but, definitely not as uh, direct as what Sam portrayed it to be. She is on to something there, though, and they're all like kind of laughing at her, but it's like, no, every, I remember being that age and coming to yeah. the realization that every song on the radio, my mom's car was about love. And <laughs> I'm like, what is that? Like, why are people so obsessed with each other and like want to get married? That's gross. Like <laughs> supposedly it's the greatest force of the universe that brings us all together. Right. And I distinctly remember being young enough, like not to understand or care about that. Mm, yeah. Yeah. When I was like in middle school or high school, I was just more concerned with like, how do I get girls to like me? I'm like a nerdy outcast, which is like a double whammy against me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, like little did you know that when you get older, you know, that's what girls want. Yeah, that's like true. nerds would that become cool. When they say nice guys finish last, it's not meant to be a put down. It's really meant to say, well, all the girls go for the bad boys at first in high school, but when they get older and they're more mature, they want yeah. someone who's more mature. And that's where the nerdy guys come in who don't usually get a lot of attention because the girls who went through all that crap see the value in them. And that actually happened to me recently. So I'm very thankful. <laughs> yeah. See, it's true. It is true. Yeah. It pays to be nice. Johnny and Erica were brother and sister, and they were really close. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, it's quarter after. I've got a ton of homework and we gotta close up. Yeah, yeah, I just finished lubing the pin setter. I gotta make sure it won't crash on me. Yeah, right, you're just playing. They even worked at the same place, the Bolaramo Lanes. Yeah, perfect. As usual. And modest, too. Hey, did I ever tell you you're my favorite sister? I'm your only sister. Yeah. Hurry up. <laughs> Erica was a waitress. Johnny, the repair guy. Johnny finds this really strange ring in his locker at the bowling alley, which we do have a bowling alley right next to where I live. Um, and it's really quaint and really cute. And it has a cafe called the Chatterbox Cafe. Oh, that's and so fun. Right? Yeah, I just love it. And it's right by where I live. But my kids have been asking me about bowling. And then I watched this recently, too. I'm like, oh, man, this is great. We've got to go bowling sometime. That'd be so Definitely. much fun. Yeah, I feel like bowling is something that people don't do for fun as much as they used to. Maybe it's just me remembering it. But I, I remember going right? to the bowling bowling alleys back when I lived up in New England um, in high school. And it was just something you did on like a Friday or Saturday night with all your friends. Yeah. It's crazy because I was driving down the road with my brother the other day and he's like, do you remember there used to be a bowling alley right there? And you and all of your friends used to go on weekends. And I'm like, wait, what really? Oh yeah. I remember that. I mean, I forgot like bowling was a whole saga in my high school career for a lot of us actually. Yeah. Yeah. And like, <laughs> I would go play pool and stuff. Yeah. 
Yep. Or like the pinball machines in the corner or the arcade or go to the bar and get a ton of soda and hot dogs and cheesy fries. Yeah. Like I wonder if teenagers still, still go bowling. (laughs) I don't think Uh, so. Maybe they they, they have virtual bowling apps on their iPhone. They don't need real life bowling. Right. Well, I do know that they've got like cosmic bowling now. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Cause they like turn some, they turn some black lights on and they have like a disco ball spinning and they have like fluorescent colors all over the wall and you know they play music videos on the the score screens up at the top so they they try to make it hip and fun for all the the young folk but uh who knows if it actually works because <laughs> yeah. i haven't been to a bowling alley in like a good 10 years i need to know i there's a surprising amount like in my analytics of young people that listen to this podcast which i don't know what they could possibly be getting out of it because i think they I, just like the sound of your voice that's what draws people in. I don't know about that. I <laughs> you, you do have a very radio friendly voice. I hope so, because otherwise, like, I don't know these young kids that are listening to this, like young kids, but like teen, you know, younger kids and Gen, Gen Zers. Yeah. It's like, do you guys go bowling? Let me know. <laughs> I need to know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do an Instagram poll and see if, uh, Right. You know, it's still a cool thing to do or not. So yeah, Johnny finds this ring in his locker and it gets stuck on his hand. He can't get it off. Can I, can I just jump in real quick with, <laughs> with yeah. my own experience about rings and fingers? So um, I don't know if you can see, but I have like really thick knuckles. Like my, my fingers aren't straight, like a hot dog would be. It's just, it bows <laughs> out in the middle where it bends. So my mom used to get me to like wear all these different rings that she collected as kids because she was big into jewelry when she was <laughs> when I was younger. And um, she made me like order a class ring because it'd be like, oh, you'll be so like dignified that you have a class ring for like track or something. And when I actually got the ring, even even though it was fitted for me specifically, I couldn't get the darn thing off no matter what finger I put it on. It was like it. I don't know how to describe the contraption. It's kind of like putting a knife into something and then it getting no no the perfect analogy is like shooting an arrow through like some sort of substance or like a bale of hay and you can't like get it out because the points yeah. of the arrow like lock it in like so the that's barbs how, yeah yeah exactly yeah. so that's how it felt like when i got the class ring stuck on my ring finger in high school it was like oh shoot i can't get this thing off i don't want this finger to like turn purple and I have to amputate it and I I just remember like going home after school like the day I got it and just putting like liquid soap on it grease from my dad's workshop on it you know whatever kind of liquid I can find just to create less friction and get it off and finally with like my mom's help after a half hour I finally got off and I was just like you know something Maybe we should put it under glass so I can actually just look at it without having to be traumatized by it. Yeah. Like mom, you're going to have to put this in the keepsake box. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. The, the jewelry <laughs> oh, display case where it belongs. Yeah. That's a horrible. Oh man. That's terrifying. I have that, had that happen a couple of times and I'm careful yeah. when I put a ring on now. Cause I'm yeah. like, I don't want to get this stuck and freak out. <laughs> exactly. That that's why we don't wear rings. It's the scariest thing of them all. <laughs> Do you check out this uh painting on the wall in the hallway behind mom? Yeah. What I see it. is that? I can't see it because even though this is like DVD quality, uh the episode we're watching, I can't really make it out. It just looks like a, a horse body and some like tones of yellow and green and brown and maybe a fountain statue behind it i have no idea it's haunted 
could be <laughs> the mom comes down and says good night and um she doesn't really notice johnny and uh, she's depressed because you know, maybe dad's gone. Dad's not in the picture. So we don't really True. know what the situation is. We just know yeah. that these teenagers both have jobs and they're very self-sufficient. So that should tell you a lot already, you know? Yeah. Good for them. They're like, they're able to survive in the wilderness if they have to, they got the system worked out for them. Or they have to, because their mom is apparently in some kind of like deep depression, you know? Yes. And then he falls asleep to some tv static which don't ever do this oh, <laughs> just don't Makes do you it think of uh poltergeist doesn't it or 13th floor it does yeah anything i mean i oh god no it, just, there is a certain eeriness of it because you never know what's gonna pop up you never know we do find out that uh you know when johnny leaves the static on that gives the perfect opportunity for uh this mysterious girl of his dreams to show up in his living room and get uncomfortably close to his head and there's like these weird like flashing lights that are strobing uh rotating around the camera and there's kind of some weird metallic sounding sound effect behind it like wheels on tracks or something so it really adds a lot to the the spooky ambience of like wow she's really pretty but what the hell is going on here I, I don't know what yeah. to feel. <laughs> yeah, sometimes the TV static could go, you know, another way. Maybe this is going to be a good dream. Who knows? Yeah, for for all you know, she could like take her face off and reveal a monster underneath. We just oh don't God. know. <laughs> so she, yeah. What did you think about the actress that plays this ghost girl or angel? I thought she was great. She has very, uh, yeah, good point. She has a uh, very flowy hair that's the best way to describe it. She's really and, pretty. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. it works. Like she's perfect for the role. Yeah, I'd say so. You know, there's not there's not too much dialogue involved with her character, but that's okay because she's really just playing off of Johnny. And I think that works in in its minimalist approach. Yeah, I mean, and they're like both low-key kind of dream boats. Yeah, yeah. They're very attractive for teenagers. I'll give yeah, you that. This is good, good casting in this episode. And the sister is great. Um, mm -hmm. then we get the oh god, this guy. Everybody hates this guy, and so do I. Fun <laughs> facts. Fun fact, this guy has actually been in uh, a couple other Sinar productions, such as The Mystery Files of Shelby Wu. Um, oh, okay. I, I forgot what his name is. I think it's Michelle Heron or something like that. It's on IMDb. But um, he was in the episode, The Mystery of the Mouse That Roared as like uh, a busboy, because uh, the episode revolved around like a restaurant during Christmas and like mice getting into people's food. So uh, if you want to see the connection there for funsies, go check out that Shelby Wu episode and then watch Dream Girl. It sounds like a crazy Shelby Wu episode. Oh, it is. Big Orange Couch <laughs> covered it for uh, Christmas oh, okay. last year. Man. All right. I don't know how I missed that. I'll have to catch it. That's yeah. crazy. Give me a cola, would you, Erica? Man, I am living a charmed life. Really? Why? Just closed out another month without having to hire another maintenance guy. We haven't had a breakdown in four months. The longer I hold off hiring somebody, the better my books look. The better I look. Life is sweet. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, thanks to me. What are you doing out here? Why can't I come out here? Uh, he'll pitch a fit if you get grease and everything. Well, good. At least he'll know I'm around. Who does he think keeps this place running anyway? Don't worry about it. 
Erica, I can't do it all myself. I swear, if he doesn't. What? So at this point, I, you go ahead. I was going to say, I feel that pain, Johnny. Uh, underappreciated and underpaid. The life yeah. of a freelancer. <laughs> right? He's like, this guy hasn't paid me in like two months. What's going on? Yeah. Um, and then he thinks he sees the girl from his dreams, but it's not her. It's because um, she's wearing uh, the similar like Letterman uh, like varsity jacket. It's they're both of them are like this like royal blue with like a red letter on the on the chest. So uh, it's understandable that from the backside, they kind of look the same. But, you know, when they you see their faces face to face doesn't quite match up. I'm going to ask you a question, but it's a spoiler. I can't ask it. So, yeah, he keeps seeing her, you know, he's basically living through a fever dream of chasing this girl around. Yeah. She, she keeps um, popping up in random places in the bowling alley. And that, that weird music that we heard earlier from the the living room at night, it's back and it's just intensifying more and more and more, the more he's like thinking about this dream girl that showed up. And what I love about the sound design in this particular moment is that the moment you hear screams and like, potentially a collision it lines up perfectly with like this random person and her friends getting a strike in the bowling lane and then oh. <laughs> be- because of that it's like it brings johnny to his senses and interesting brings us back into the world and out of his weird fantasy interesting very crazy um yeah then he gets a mysterious letter mm-hmm. erica erica roses are red violets are blue you know i'll never stop thinking of you of Donna Maitland. Where'd you get this? It's the girl. It's a girl from my dreams. Meet me tonight, midnight. I'll be at the bowl around the snack bar. That's after closing. You gonna go? Would you go? I'm tempted. <laughs> I mean, I mean, as long as the diner is open and there's music playing, sure. Well, when he arrives, there is music playing. <laughs> okay. That's one check box checked. About time you showed up. What are you doing here? This place is supposed to be closed. Closed? <laughs> Never. Let's just say we're in the uh, night shift. That's my favorite. How'd you know that? We know. We know. So he waits for a little while. Um, she's late. <laughs> Fashionably late, because you know she's attractive. <laughs> and finally she does show up after he's eaten that entire piece of pie. Um, it looked delicious, by the way. Yeah, it did. That you weren't going to show. I'd never stand you up. Well, I can't. You're wearing my ring. This is yours? <laughs> How did you? Let's dance. 
then there's like oh you're not gonna what? you're not gonna play through all the sexy saxophone music a weird labyrinth scene who are you how do you know me you must know you're wearing my ring this but i found Shh. it's almost time to go i want you to come with me where you just got here but it's almost time Better hurry. Oh, it's too late. T too late? I'll wait for you, Johnny. Wait, for what? Everybody's gone. Creepy. Although <laughs> I, I do have to say that that I love that music. I don't I don't care what anyone says. I used to play alto and tenor saxophone in high school. And I used to try to woo the ladies in band class with my own saxophone. That's so. awesome. So he rushes home to tell his sister what happened. Before you say anything else, is this the girl you've been seeing? Yeah. Yeah, Donna, Donna Maitland, what's she doing? She's dead, Johnny. What? She died in a car accident. She was driving with her boyfriend and their car stalled on these railroad tracks just out by Waterloo Road. They both got out, but Donna forgot her ring, this school ring that her boyfriend had just given her. So she went back to get it, and the train came. The ring. She said I had a ring. She was there, Erica, I swear it. I mean, I talked to her. She's a ghost. And she said that she wanted me to go with her. And it's all because of this. He's trying to get that ring off. Yep, there's that uh, pin grease, I guess. I guess he still doesn't realize that he is a ghost. Spoilers. Uh, well, <laughs> couldn't keep it in, could you? No. We were, so, we were so close to the ending. <laughs> Even his sister was like, what? <laughs> Even she well, didn't understand. No, she wasn't. She wasn't because she was in on the entire thing. But I, we'll talk about that more when we get to the cemetery. Okay. So, yeah, um, she appears to him one more time at his locker. And she's kind of creepy in this scene. Yeah, she's getting obsessive. Yeah, because she knows, you know, that they need to cross back over. There's apparently some type of a time limit that we're unaware of. Yeah. But he does, he gets a phone call from her and he decides to meet her at the cemetery at night. Very spooky, you know, very spooky. Pretty, pretty well lit, though. So that helps. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's insanely well lit. And his sister comes with him. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I'm just a little jumpy, that's all. Find anything? Uh, no, you? No. Look at this. Donna Maitland. This is it. This is her grave. You sure? Well, yeah, look at it. How many other Donna Maitlands could there be? Well, yeah, I guess, but how did you know it would be right here? I didn't. I just kind of... Happened to wander away from me, get lost, and trip right over it? Uh. 
What are you talking about? We knew exactly where she was buried, Johnny. Why do you think that is? Look, I don't know what you mean. Maybe you've been here before. Did you ever think about that? No way. Why would I have been here? I'm in it to cemetery. Well, why don't you tell me, Johnny? You remember what happened. The car stalled on the tracks, right? And then Donna got out, but she forgot her ring. Her school ring, and went running back for it. Donna! And then what happened, Johnny? I turned back. I tried to push her out of the way, but it was too late. Anna Maitland and John. God, what Pretty. a powerful moment. <laughs> it's crazy that he just wipes off the exact amount of leaves for the first name and then waits well, for the entire monologue to wipe off the rest of the leaves. Very convenient. I mean, keep in mind, this is for cinematic effect. I, I mentioned that earlier, that that's how this story was written to be more mature and cinematic and less like a typical monster of the week are you afraid of the dark tale so even if it's highly implausible in real life i still think the the reveal is it's quite an impactful story beat definitely well and also like what teenagers are getting buried together that's again heart versus brain here yeah it doesn't make much sense maybe they have caskets next to each other or maybe they were both cremated and they're ashes were mixed i don't know for sure all i just know is that saying on the, on the, i'm just saying that the the headstone named you know donna maitland and johnny and jelly together eternally sounds very romantic at face value yes definitely and um his sister you know of course she's devastated because she wants to help johnny realize what's going on but she doesn't want him to cross over no. um <laughs> it's a double-edged sword for her Mm-hmm. someone's gonna lose <laughs> yeah and of and course she doesn't want her brother to be in pain no but at the same time she knows she can't keep this up for the you know sometimes you you know when it's time to go mm-hmm. and so he finally realizes it thank god because otherwise he'd be roaming the earth for all time yeah he'd be stuck in limbo yeah it's a very sad bittersweet moment too because you know they they have like one final hug together and then Don's like okay yep time to go let's have a kiss and get moving on into the the midnight fog and you know of course you got that sexy sax music again to really drive those emotions home that you know there's a lot of lost and love going on here and it's just a it's just a giant cocktail of sobbing i've said this before but when, when i've watched this all previous times i always can't help but tear up because it's just a very sentimental moment of course i've dealt with love and loss before and also with siblings so it's just kind of all drawing from different parts of of me for this like one moment and just kind of let myself go for like a good 20 seconds and then it feels very cathartic after the story's over yeah and plus the sister is such a good actress like she really 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 sells these emotions yeah she should get an oscar for the i know right i mean daytime emmy whatever you get for tv awards and he gives her uh, his ring to remember her by. As a keepsake. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Icing on the cake. And then, yeah, they kiss and they go off, you know, into 
well, not the sunset, but in the he- heaven. <laughs> the moonlight. Yeah. 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 always going to miss Johnny but it made her feel better to know that he was happy at last with the girl of his dreams the end good one Sam cool you're a ghost and you don't know it yeah like you're a runt and you don't even know it I'll show you who's a runt <laughs> classic yeah yeah, it, it's all wrapped up in a bow at the end. It's sweet to the point and leaves you with a little bit of a lingering sentiment of uh, Johnny's crossing over and getting resolution as, you know, his unfinished business is over. Yeah. So what's the deal with the M. Night Shyamalan rumors and this about like <laughs> the sixth sense and this and God, that, that, yeah, that rumor refuses to die no matter how many times I talk with other Are You Afraid of the Dark fans about it. I don't even know why, because I've confirmed for sure for my book, Scary Tales, that M. Night Shyamalan has no connection to this episode. The similarities are there for sure, but this came first. And M. Night claims that he had a notebook where he he like drew pictures of a boy at a funeral that people couldn't see. So that's that's what he based sense story off of. So, you know, for some reason, the coincidence, the, the coincidental nature between both that film and this episode just kind of fused together and people refuse to let go of it, even though it's just a rumor, but it's been confirmed to be debunked. Very interesting. Yeah. Cause I've read that all over the internet, of course, you know, <laughs> I mean, funny. listen, the internet is a great place to find information and also connect with people, but don't believe everything you read. And I got a, I got a hard lesson kill in regards to the, the correct air date for the pilot of the twisted claw. Um, so a lot of people like to state that it's like Halloween of 1990 or like October 25th, 1991, which, you know, I goofed on that, but he has confirmed that it's Halloween of 1991 because shortly after that he got greenlit for, you know, the series. And then they started filming for Phantom Cab in the summer before it aired in August. So that is the correct date. DJ, if you're listening. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's crazy. All right, cool. Yeah, this is a great episode. What did you, I mean... I think my favorite part is the scene when he goes to the diner at night to meet her and we get to see all the ghosts mm, and it's like, that is 50s, a great moment. Right. I think that's the yeah. Best. Terry scene too, just because of all the emotional, uh, Erica's interaction with Johnny throughout all of it. It's just very believable, immersive. And, you know, it, it feels like some sort of teen drama. And even if it doesn't necessarily fit the scary stories in Are You Afraid of Dark to a T, it's still an excellent story overall. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. It's this is one of the greatest Are You Afraid of the Dark episodes, hands down. It's my number three of top five. Okay. Yeah, I could see that for sure. What did you give it? What ranking did you give it? Well, um, I gave it a six out of six, which for those who, yeah, for those who know about my Scary Tales book and also the retail version, I'm going to be a black sheep and do things out of six because originally I did it out of five matchsticks. And then I added like this little campfire symbol to signify a top tier tail in my book. And a lot of people like confused were confused by that, that additional rating. So I just decided, you know what, it's not going to be like a hundred percent, a hundred, 10% rating for top tier tails. I'm just going to make it all out of a 100 and make it six out of six. So I had to adjust things slightly where I kind of grade it. Uh, on a curve, kind of like in grade school, where like, you know, this is a 
what is 80 and so on and so forth. So that's, that's how I kind of treat the rating. And I, I give it a hundred because it's memorable. It's got a lot of poignant moments, incredible acting, great ambience. Yeah. Lead music by, uh, and it's, it's just highly rewatchable as a, as a great tale about romance and unfinished business for a couple of ghosts. Right. That's the thing is that it's really rewatchable, um, which is crazy because it shouldn't be most of them. It's like, Oh, I know the ending. Never mind. That's kind of boring to rewatch. Um, but this one, right, right, right. Very right. rewatchable. Yeah, there's an air of mystique to it by David winning that somehow makes it ethereal and overworldly and, you know, a cut above the rest in terms of uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark Tales? So, you know, that, that's a testament to its staying power 30 years later. Yeah, it's just beautiful to watch alone beside the story. Um, besides the story, you know what I mean? Um, it's really just a beautiful Definitely. piece to watch. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, I guess I'd give it a five out of five six out of six and this it's the score to beat this is definitely the episode to beat um i don't think like of all yeah. the episodes we've watched so far this is definitely gonna the, be the best production quality um best story mm -hmm. and best acting hands down this so this is gonna be the one to beat so which i feel like yeah. it's gonna be pretty I, hard <laughs> i i think it's interesting too because this is like one of the only three agree on scoring too <laughs> i know right we finally agree from what i could remember yeah, we finally agree on a yep. score for once. <laughs> we finally agree <laughs> on an episode. Like this is a banger episode. All right, cool. Do we want to do, well, what episode yeah. are we going to be doing next? Well, I figured it would be appropriate to do like another mysterious ghost story that is often compared to Dream Girl, either by mistake or just on purpose because, you know, they kind of go hand in hand together. But next time on our Are You Afraid of the Dark series, we are going to head back to season one and find out the mystery of Judy Larson in The Tale of the Prom Queen. Yes. So we'll see if it holds up compared to Tale of the Dream Girl. We'll see. It is a Kristen tale, and she's not known for necessarily high quality tales, but, you know, this could be a good one, too, among the bunch. We'll you see. never know. Kristen's good for a laugh. <laughs> yes. And, and the theatrics, too. She loves to dress up. Mm -hmm. So yeah, do you want to do ratings? Do you have like a movie, a book, a podcast, anything you've been enjoying lately while you're working? Yeah, I mean, you know me, I'm always a workaholic, so I don't get too much time to actually relax and ingest yeah. any content. Um, but I've been reading this book called Ghosts. It's very fitting. It's Telgemeier, and it basically deals with like a girl who has cystic fibrosis who starts to you know, see different characters in her town that she lives in. Um, but the, the girl just like, she doesn't know how to handle seeing a ghost who's trying to talk to her. So it's, it's very fitting for this and it's in graphic novel form. So, you know, if you look here, you can see some pictures of, of the story playing out. Um, that I'm not too far intense. into it yet. I'm like the first, yeah, wow. I'm, I'm not too far into it. First 10 pages, but it's got like a day of the dead feeling. Uh, I recommend it to those who enjoy graphic hmm. novels or short stories. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. That sounds really cool. Um, that sounds intense though, but really cool. Yeah, it's it's meant to be a young adult. Oh, cool. All right. Um, I guess my recommendation, it's not really on theme at all, but <laughs> it's what I've been listening to all day. I've been listening to a podcast I just found called Cocaine and Rhinestones, basically uh -huh. the history of country music, um, you know, before the 2000s of the 1900s. Oh, so okay. it's, yeah, it's been cool. Like pre Johnny Cash. Yeah. So all, a couple of the titles that they've done are Don Rich and Buck Owens, Bobby Gentry, 
the murder ballad of Spade okay. Cooley. So there's a lot there. It's all like a different little history story with every episode. So that's cool. Ooh, I like the sound of that. Right? I'll send it to you. I think you'll like it. I don't know what it is about like country. Yeah, it's great. Um, I don't know what it is about country Western music, but I'm kind of finicky about that genre when I listen to it. Like I prefer to listen to ones that have a more like living in the wild west homestead pioneering sound nowadays that's like modern country because it's too twangy for me mm-hmm. maybe even overproduced but i just love that like natural feeling of like being out in a log cabin and going hunting and like you know roughing it in a simple town with a saloon it sounds like something that's right up my alley yeah i think you're gonna like it it's it'll definitely scratch that itch for sure oh well i gotta do uh the closing yeah uh, yeah we, yeah we, we can't leave the campfire burning and cause a forest fire or else Smokey will have our head on a pike. <laughs> <laughs> if only you can prevent forest fires. Exactly. Um, so yes, uh, Gary's going to handle that for us. And I declare this meeting of the Midnight Society closed. Until next time. Later.